0: Welcome to the pilot podcast,
1: where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and recap other shows to answer your question, should I watch this?
0: My name is BJ.
1: And my name is Me Too.
0: And this week, we're checking out the new Netflix reality show, Made in Mexico.
1: So let's stay tuned to the end to see if I survive through the end of this episode.
0: Me Too's feeling a little under the weather. You might hear it in her voice, but she's a trooper. And we're gonna push through this review.
1: My voice has gotten progressively worse these past four reviews we've done. So please bear with this. I sound like Paula J. Parker.
0: So as we're between shows, you know, we're taking recommendations from our listeners to see what we should look at. And we want to thank our listener, Bailey, who recommended this show, Made in Mexico. So thanks again, Bailey.
1: And we have a ton more. So stay tuned for those as well. Thank you for sending all of these amazing recommendations. So, BJ, what? <laughs> Please let.
0: Yes, BJ. I will do the synopsis. <laughs> so, guys, for those who are unaware, Made in Mexico is a reality series and it's based on the lives of these socialites in Mexico City. So, they are rich, they have opulent lifestyles, family backgrounds that go back generations and are important in greater Mexico and Mexico City. And they're also kind of, uh, you know, going through the typical drama of a reality series where families are involved with each other, people work with each other, and they're kind of trying to climb that social ladder and make their life in Mexico.
1: How did you like it?
0: I thought it was actually pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised you liked it because you usually don't like reality TV that much.
0: That's true. Reality is not my go-to genre. But what I think I appreciate about this is that compared to the few episodes I've seen of uh, Real Housewives shows, the drama on this show wasn't as catty or pointless or just over the most basic things that, to me, don't seem worth arguing over. mm I will admit the episode started out slow. We were just trying to introduce ourselves to everyone, and it's a cast of nine people, so it takes a while to figure out where everyone's coming from, how they're all connected. But then when it does pick up and we get drama in the second half of the episode, it's something that seems... And I'm not saying these people are relatable in any way, but their problems <laughs> <laughs> seem more relatable. Where you have uh, Shah who wants to go through a career change and she has to discuss that with her husband. You know, how is this going to affect us potentially starting a family?
1: But she's so rich and so secure in her job. She's a morning TV host. And while on mic talking to a guest, Carlos, She was talking about how she didn't really want to work in morning TV anymore while they were on commercial. And their conversation was cut short, literally because the lights were flashing that they were going to be on soon. So it's wild that at your job, you could be like, "Mm, I just don't know if this is for me. On mic in front of all of your coworkers and your bosses.
0: And she was telling... Everyone. She was telling Carlos. They met up with their friend Pepe at his club and she was talking about it. She went to brunch with the ladies and she was talking about it. Yeah. And then she told her husband during dinner.
1: Wild. It reminds me of when I went to high school in Georgia and you have to do this intensive driver's ed course. And the teacher that I went on the route with she turned to me when she picked me up from my house and was like, you know, I'm not gonna be a driving instructor forever. And I was like, sounds good. Could you do it for the next 45 minutes? And she was telling me all about how she wanted to become a licensed real estate agent. So instead of taking any real path, we just drove through my neighborhood and nearby neighborhoods and picked up flyers of houses for sale. Is that not wild? I highly doubt she had the capital to buy a house. So I don't even know what it was if she was doing market research. I'm not sure. I'm not that old. Like the internet was definitely a thing. So I just don't know what that was.
0: Well, good for her for focusing on future career opportunities.
1: Yeah. In her defense, a lot of houses were being built around me because people gentrified my area pretty quickly. And so she just wanted to get in on the ground level. That's smart. Yeah. And you know,
0: Shaw, she seems like a smart woman. She had a good gig or still has a good gig going. Yeah. And despite what her husband said, I think being a singer could be a great hobby if she really is gonna quit her job and become a mom.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: But we'll see how that goes. The other relatable-esque situation, actually, there's two. I'm gonna split it up. They both Uh, They're both based around Robbie Cheka. The first one, I think you related to a lot more than I did, but there's both things that resonated with us, was the scene where he moved into a new apartment and his mother came over to just check in on him. And that's something we both could relate to, how she's very concerned about her son, her purse has anything and everything he could ever need.
1: (laughs) She had the best mom purse ever. It reminded me of my mom's purse full of nonsense.
0: There was the crazy part where you really see how much mothers love their children when you have no furniture and you're like, I rolled out a rug, mother. Let's let's sit down and chat.
1: (laughs) She couldn't even crouch to the ground. He had to help her get to the ground to sit on the carpet in his unfurnished apartment to talk to him. And I know my mom would do the same, even though I would never, you said this, never have my mama in my home if I didn't have any furniture.
0: Yeah, I would have one of those like folding chairs.
1: At least.
0: It doesn't have to be real furniture, but give her something to sit on.
1: The way I clean my home before my mom comes and she still finds things to scrub, (laughs) Ah, uh, so just to think of not having furniture when I work so hard just to have this place looking like a hotel when she arrives.
0: Yeah, so that is a relatable aspect that I don't see. I don't think you see in a lot of reality shows. Yes, you see family interactions, but this one felt very real.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: The other real relationship and um, situation was when Robbie went to his nephew's baptism at the family ranch. And we already got hints that he had um, difficulties controlling himself when it comes to alcohol.
1: He has substance use issues, which is really sad. Basically, the the sad part is that he hasn't seen his son for a year and a half Mm -hmm. because of his substance use issues. So when he showed up to that baptism, I think it was a trigger for him to see the baptism of his brother's child and think of the of all the moments that he missed because he couldn't quite get his act together. But it's not yeah. as simple as that, of course, with abuse. It's not just like, wash your face and get out there, you know?
0: He's definitely dealt with some struggles that's affected his relationship with his child. And we see him start to go on a downward spiral in this episode. Yeah, He's drinking a beer. When we first saw him drink a beer, we were both shocked mm-hmm. because... His sister-in-law, Kitsia, the mother of the child for the baptism, in a previous scene, she was talking with her friend Columba and was trying to set her up saying, oh, you know, my brother-in-law, he's single, he's a great guy. And Columba was like, oh, does he drink wine? You know, like, does he like to drink? And Kitsia, I guess being very loyal to the family that she married into, was like, "Mm, you know, not really, not much. And then at this baptism, he starts with the beer. He starts doing multiple shots. And next thing you know, he's super drunk. He's trying to ride a bull. He's out of control. Like people are trying to like calm him down, get him to just like chill. His mother had to run out Mm -hmm. in front of a bull to try and get him off this bull for his own safety. And we both know poor Columbo was like, Kitsia, you tried to set me up with this man.
1: (laughs) Wouldn't you look sideways at her for the rest of your entire friendship? If you could even really be friends in the same way?
0: Yeah. You really start to question, like, you think I wouldn't have noticed his substance abuse issues? Or you thought, you know, I could move past that from the get-go?
1: It's wild. It's sad because he needs help. Mm -hmm. And clearly he's being enabled. If his family is saying, slow down on the drinks and not, you need to stop. Yeah. But it's wild that Kitsia said, oh, he he doesn't drink that much. I thought she said that because people get weird around people when they're sober, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. And so I thought she was saying that because he was sober. Like, I don't know if you found this to be the case, but I don't know. People get uncomfortable when they're drinking and you're not. So I thought Kitsia was doing something like that. And instead, it was totally in the other direction of this guy has a drinking problem. Oh, he just he enjoys a beer or seven from time to time.
0: Yeah, she really tried to downplay it. And then she was super upset because he's making a scene at her child's baptism.
1: Yes. What a place to get drunk and this is why i really liked columba so they agreed i guess to split a shot and she walked away with the other half of the shot and said i'll drink this later because she was uncomfortable with his behavior at the bar and he kept chasing after her for the other half of that drink because in his drunk logic that was the rest of his shot whereas obviously he was in front of a bar he could have just had more alcohol there and he kept approaching her and bothering her and she was so firm and saying please leave me alone blah 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 and was polite which I don't know that I would have been that polite, but was like, you can ask me on a date. and We can do this some other time, but this isn't it. And finally, he, I think, said, hey, pretty girl, look over here or something. And she snapped at him like he was a dog and went, no. And I just lived for that. She's the only person who really checked him. And then she called him a chauvinist to his face.
0: She stood up for herself and pushed back hard in a way that I think his family is too nurturing of his problem. So while they definitely want him to stop and seek help, they're doing it in this like coddling, babying way that's not actually going to change anything.
1: Because Colomba is a socialite like the rest of them and a model, Mm -hmm. but she separates herself from the term Freza, which is what we learned from this show, which is essentially like a preppy person or a socialite coming from a highly educated or wealthy family, and she seems to be very independently minded, a little bit judgmental of the rest of the crew, but- Mm. I don't know, maybe if you're around that a lot, I get how you could be frustrated with it. Like she got mad when Shanique said she wants her husband to buy her a ranch. Colombo was like, why not buy it yourself or buy it together versus asking your husband to buy it for you. So I can't imagine caring about other people's money like that. But maybe if I was exposed to it a ton, I would be annoyed by it too.
0: Speaking of caring about other people's money and relationship, I think the one person we haven't really talked much about is Liz. Yes. So she's our american cast member who's marrying into a mexican family and moving to mexico city what do you think of her relationship and
1: how it started i thought that was wild so liz's fiance's name is charlie and he found her on facebook they messaged for like two months and then finally met up and then dated long distance for a year So she waited a year and a half until their actual engagement to move to Mexico City. But yeah, I can't imagine answering, you know how you have that other inbox on Facebook of people you don't know messaging you? Mm -hmm. I always find like random people from all these different countries saying like, hello, Miss Pretty or whatever. (laughs) And it's just like, do I need to take a second look at that and see if anyone in there is also are wealthy? I, mean, <laughs> I highly doubt they're checking for me, but
0: <laughs> you might have passed up on an opportunity.
1: I could have missed an opportunity. I could have fumbled the bag and Liz took it and tumbled it. So she seems to be fitting in well. Like when she was at that brunch. With the other ladies, she was really stirring the pot. So I think she'll advance plot forward. Like She got a little dig in at Chantal for not being engaged yet. Because I think Chantal, in the trailer, it said that she had been with her fiance, nope, boyfriend, (laughs) for about 10 years.
0: 10 years.
1: And Liz said in her confessional, I can't imagine moving to Mexico City without a ring. So I think Chantal moved for the guy. I don't know from where.
0: Yeah, which, you know, that makes sense. That's a safe thing to do. Like, yeah, don't just move to another country for someone you just met off of Facebook.
1: Yeah, that's a, good, <laughs> <laughs> that's a party line we want to keep as a podcast. Don't just move to another country because of some person that you met on Facebook. Let's make that an established rule of law, please.
0: Solid advice. Thank you, you BJ. Know.
1: You are Yamla with actual good advice.
0: I try. You know, we're just here to help you guys pick TV shows and make <laughs> smart decisions.
1: Don't get taken, y'all.
0: Me too. What rhymes with take a look?
1: Find a nook?
0: No, listen to a book.
1: Oh, well, let's pay these bills then. For our listeners, this episode is brought to you by Audible. What are you listening to this week, BJ?
0: This week, I'm listening to Always Running by Luis J. Rodriguez. So this is a pretty cool book about when Luis joined a gang at age 11, Whoa. and it has him dealing with drugs, gang wars, and police brutality. But he does find a way out with art, writing, and political activism. So you get to see how he avoids the brink of self-destruction.
1: Wow, that sounds really inspirational. You can find that book or pretty much any other at audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. You'll get a 30-day trial membership, be able to browse their banana selection of audio programs, and pick a title to download free and start listening.
0: Again, that's audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. Happy listening!
1: And now, back to our show.
0: One thing we've noticed with this cast is that there are Is not a variety in terms of Mexican ethnicity. It seems like a lot of the cast members are more Spanish descendants versus some more native Mexican uh, backgrounds.
1: Yes, I do think a lot of them are of Spanish, like Spain-ish descent. Mm -hmm. I think colorism in Latin America is... It's something I wish the show addressed. I know that the cast and the creators behind the show have addressed it since. Kind of doing, which is typically the the party line used in a lot of Latin American countries, which is like, we are one, so we're all the same. But that's simply not the case. And actually, Sandy Darity is an economics professor out of duke and unc and he has done a lot of amazing research on colorism in latin america in brazil and in south asia and i would strongly recommend checking out his text because i'm speaking the cliff notes version but he and eduardo benilla silva has also done a lot of great research on colorism in latin america but and they actually have oh i'm gonna nerd out (laughs) They have really interesting conflicting theories, so they both believe that colorism, obviously it is a huge issue in Latin America, but they have conflicting theories of endgame with colorism, conflicting models of people. So I would strongly recommend looking into both Eduardo Bonilla-Silva and Sandy Darity. Sandy Darity's... Real name is William Darity, but he goes by Sandy.
0: So thinking about colorism in this cast, in this show, do you feel like that takes away from the name Made in Mexico?
1: It's tough. And I saw it got a lot of poor reviews from native Mexicans because a lot of them didn't feel represented. So Mm. on one hand, it's tough that the only brown people that we saw were serving the cast of Made in Mexico, like Shanique's maid. So that's really difficult to watch. So it's hard. I also understand how they made this show and thought that they made a fully representative made in Mexico. It's kind of like how Lena Dunham wrote Girls in New York, and it had no people of color in it, even though it was set in New York. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's the New York that Lena Dunham knows. It's her and her other girlfriends who come from similar backgrounds as she does. And even though they're going through neighborhoods like Brooklyn and Queens and Manhattan, they, in their circles, simply weren't seeing people of color. And so although the show was not representative of New York itself, which is the danger in that framing, it was representative of Lena Dunham's New York. So I think Made in Mexico is a dangerous name for the show because it's not representative. But I bet it's representative of the Mexico that these people experience.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. I never thought about that like with girls, Mm -hmm. because I believe it's Shaniku even comments on, you know, with the blonde hair, people don't really see me as Mexican. But at the end of the day, all of these cast members, except for Liz, are Mexican, you know, they're just a circle of what it means or what it looks like to be mexican
1: i just think the framing around the show is not great i don't like the framing of people having to prove themselves as productive members of society to be respected
0: do you have any final thoughts or comments on the cast or the show
1: i love robie's mom yes but (laughs) she loves him so much that i think she's a little bit of an enabler
0: yes both things are true
1: oh we didn't talk about carlos
0: Oh, Carlos, the anchor, Shah's friend.
1: The, me- the sexy meteorologist slash actor.
0: Yeah, on the weekends, he's a meteorologist. During the week, he's an actor.
1: I didn't say sexy meteorologist because I'm attracted to him. I think that was what he called himself, right?
0: He described himself. Yeah, yeah. He said that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is very handsome, but <laughs> this is not something I would just say about someone. <laughs> I want to be clear. <laughs>
0: You know, I thought he was going to be a bigger part of the show because we open up with him and Shaw a lot. But then it shifted over to Ruby and Kitsia more.
1: I kind of love that. Carlos, if I had to be in those circles, I think I would want to be someone like a Carlos who knows a lot of people. So I'm playing in the background of connecting people. Or like a Pepe who owns a bunch of bars. Yeah, And I host a bunch of parties and I make money. So my power comes from knowing a ton of people, but I'm not necessarily in front of people. Actually, Pepe over Carlos, now that I'm thinking about it. Because I know a ton of people. I'm a connector. I throw parties. I make really great money from that and owning clubs. But am I myself putting myself out there? No.
0: So Me Too, how about we head into our ratings? What will you give Made in Mexico on Netflix?
1: I would watch it again casually. I liked mm-hmm. it. I thought it was fun drama, but I don't know that it totally sucked me in like it did you or I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you did, mm-hmm. but you know, I never turned down mess. So if I have like 45 minutes, I might sit down and watch it again. It's just a little long.
0: It is a little long. That's true. It would be great if this was like 23 minute episodes.
1: Yes. Or like our magic show that I'll always go back to, Marching <sighs> Orders. 10 minutes Perfect episode length, perfect editing. It was beautiful. That's a great Netflix reality show. Can can you say it? Because I don't know if people can understand me.
0: Marching Orders on Netflix.
1: Yes, watch that.
0: Beautiful. Work of art.
1: What's your rating?
0: I'm similar. I'm going to say it would watch again casually. To be honest, listeners, I'm not much of a binge watcher in general. So there's exceptions like Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I will binge that second season, which comes out soon.
1: I love how much you love that show. Really, I do.
0: I still don't understand why you don't appreciate it more. So I would watch it casually, like you. I'm not going to binge it. But like I was saying earlier, this type of drama, I feel like is just more engaging for me. It feels very real. And I think because there's a lot of strong family dynamic, I don't know, family drama just makes more sense to me. Totally. Fortunately, my family's not going through this type of baptism drama, but I get it.
1: Yeah, let them know it's not that relatable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. This is not my life. <laughs> this ain't happening <laughs> in
1: the Williams household, y'all.
0: Uh, but for that reason, I think I would watch it. Like you said, the episodes are a little long, so I'm not about to power through all eight episodes. That's This is going to go on for a while. Mm-hmm. But one episode every now and then, that would work for me. Yeah, same. So if you want to find other shows that might be worth watching, check out our website, thepilotpodcast.com. And you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review.
1: You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can like us on Facebook at The Pilot Podcast. And you can send show suggestions, feedback, questions, sore throat remedies to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye.